0: Hey guys, and welcome back to Tennis Three Hundred and Sixty, the podcast where we talk about all things tennis. My name's Anthony Hirsch,
1: and I'm Eliza Westgate.
0: Welcome back to the podcast. Um, it's the tenth podcast that we're doing for the uh, for Tennis Three Hundred and Sixty, number ten. And in this one, we're going to be talking about Vienna, uh, Basel, that happened on the ATP side, a couple of uh, five hundred tournaments, and uh, then we're also going to be talking about the WTA Elite Trophy that happened uh, just uh, just this week as well uh and uh it was a great week of tennis um vienna had an amazing final uh one of the best matches of the year between yannick center and daniel medvedev absolutely brutal rallies from both sides both guys absolutely pummeling the ball back and forth uh did you get a chance to see it and what were your thoughts on that
1: yes i chimed in about halfway through the second set um and it was such a good match, as you say. I think it's a contender for one of the best three-set matches we've seen this year, for sure. And I think uh, what you said is very true in terms of this was kind of the first matchup between Sinner and Medvedev, where Sinner won by beating Medvedev from the baseline. And I think that that was, you know, testament to some of the key things that he's improved on this season: the serve. Um, playing with more angles on the forehand and kind of being able to break down the Medvedev backhand pattern a little bit better than he has in the past. And um, I think he abandoned the serve and volley strategy pretty early on in the match. When I went back and watched the highlights, I kind of saw him give it a try the first couple games. And then it seemed to just kind of be a backup plan after the fact, but yeah, some of the first, one of the first times we've seen Sina beat Medvedev from the baseline, which was impressive. Yeah.
0: Um yeah it was it was really good uh yeah i think that uh he was uh, although he did not play the servant volley as much servant volley as much after the kind of first part of it i did think that he was still using really impressive shot making uh, shot decisions uh shot mm-hmm. in shot out Um, Like he knew exactly what what he wanted to do at every point. He was still using a little bit of variety, um, not as much serving volume, but he still came into net quite a lot behind some really big forehands. And he won 34 out of 45 points at net, which is a stat from the match. Um, Center was really, really impressive. And uh, yeah, and also this week, he's just been serving incredible um, all week. Uh, he served 73% first serves in, in the match that's versus 67% from Medvedev. And for the first time in his career, he served over 80% first serves in, uh, first couple of matches this week. And that's, uh, he did it twice. So, uh, yeah, center has been serving amazing. I mean, everything about him has just been really impressive. And I'd also say the mental aspect of, uh, of, uh, how he kind of, uh, I don't know, against Rublev was down 5-2 in the first set and then just kind of buckled down and uh, figured out a way to win down the tight first set. And uh, I guess Medvedev as well, which was so topsy-turvy throughout the whole match. So And winning his third straight tiebreaker versus Daniil, which is so tough, especially with a server like Medvedev um, and the crazy tiebreaker that that was. So yeah, one of the best matches and centers only improving constantly. And uh, I, it was just amazing to see how he was hitting from both sides because It was like, it was like center center was so consistent and Medvedev is consistent as well. He was just a wall, but center was like a wall that can also punch back. And that was Mm kind of how I felt about the match.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think he also changed directions really well in this match too. Like, I think he has more control over his ground strokes than he did even at the beginning of this year and kind of like we've said before I think what's so impressive about Sinner is his willingness to make the adjustments and take a step back to take a couple steps forward. So I think, yeah, we saw him win points from the baseline with really good shot selection and being committed to constantly changing direction. He really had Medvedev on the ropes. And it's not usual that we would see Medvedev kind of cramping up before his opponent does. And so for Sinner to outlast him physically there, especially in the third set, was another sign of the improvements he's been making off court and then lastly to what you said about his serving percentages since the U.S. Open this is some he's put on some of his best serving displays we've seen from him ever and part of that is testament to the adjustment he made in his serve over the summer if you take a look at him adjusting from a uh, platform-based to a pinpoint-based serve. You can also see some adjustments in where his racket head position is at the point of the ball toss. So a lot of those things now come in good for him. And I think if one, in general, as a tennis player, um, you know, takes one thing away from watching Sinners, that, you know, it's worth spending the time to go back and correct some, you know, technical challenges that you might be having in your game in order to have long-term gain. And the fact that he's so young and now, you know, figuring out what's been a really tricky head to head for him with Medvedev, um, you know, in the past and now getting two straight wins against him in tricky finals on Medvedev's preferred surface as well. I just think it bodes really well for the future for Sinner. And the only negative that I could see in this situation is I hope he hasn't peaked too early in this indoor hardcourt swing um because i'd love to see him make a good run this week at the masters and put in a good shift at the Nito TP finals which is in italy and um, i'm sure he'll want to do well there so hopefully he still has some juice left after what's been a busy post-us open season for him
0: yeah um yeah about paris it's, it's going to be interesting how he performs because after beijing he had a great run in beijing Beating uh, Algras Medvedev in four straight sets, but then once he got to Shanghai, he was just—I uh, mean, he won—he won a match or or two matches, but then he he looked exhausted coming into yeah. that. So I I wouldn't be surprised if something similar happens in Shanghai, or, or sorry, uh, something similar happens in uh, Paris, especially with how physical that final was. To be honest, against yeah. Medvedev, um, but uh, yeah, I think that uh, especially in Turin, I think he could make a great run at it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how it comes. But I think with Sinner, the big thing for Sinner is that he's really kind of trusted the process. He he knew that he wasn't going to be a player like Alcraz that had it all figured out right from the start. Um, I mean, he he's had so many different problems, whether it be mental, whether it be physical, like you said, whether it be technical. And um, I I think he's somebody that has been willing to make um, what would you say kind of uh, kind of sharp decisions that might and sharp risks uh tough risks such as uh after 2022 australia lost a brutal straight sets match with its boss he fired his whole team and uh that was something that was kind of big from uh big from center um and uh he got darren cahill on board he fired his uh his coach who had been with him for seven or eight years um and uh, that, that that's the type of thing with Center that I, is very impressive. He's changed his serving position about seven, eight times. Now it's finally yeah. worked. So there are just a, a couple of things that really impressed me from Yannick. And uh, like you said, the physical's is getting better and the mental's getting better too. The biggest question now is can he perform in a Grand Slam? But this is mm-hmm. a guy Yannick has now, I think, reached the second round of a major uh, of every single, the fourth round of a major uh, twice. Every single major he's made the fourth round twice and uh, made his first semifinal at Wimbledon. And uh, I'm expecting 2024 is going to make some big strides at the majors as well.
1: I would agree with that. I think, yeah, you know, he's made so many adjustments. So, again, I think, you know, anybody take something away from this, like patience in your game, being willing to make adjustments, willing to take risks. I think Darren Cahill has been such a phenomenal addition to his coaching team. I'm not surprised that that's made such a big improvement for him. And obviously, it takes time to create a relationship, a winning relationship. Um, you know, Alcaraz has been with his coach a little bit longer, so I think you know as they as that amalgamates and they bed in a little bit more together, I think we'll we'll continue to see an improvement. I think he's up to number four now in the live rankings, so he's putting himself in a really fantastic position to have a great draw at one of the upcoming slams, and you know, I think. I think for him, it's going to be across five sets, another level up in terms of the physicality. So he's going to want to make sure he addresses that in the offseason. Obviously, Australia is a hot place to go to. So um, we'd want to make sure that his um, physical preparation there is really strong. But I think in terms of you know his, his weapons and his game, like what we're working with, is proven now that he can beat the top players uh, or he can get really close to it. So I think the one that still has kind of the bigger question mark is Djokovic for him. Um, he's gotten so close with him, but just not quite uh, you know, presenting a big enough challenge for, for Djokovic. But I think that's still to come. And I would expect 2024 to see him push on, increase that title haul, a couple more Masters uh, 1000 titles, which he finally got under his belt this year. I'm not sure we'll see him lift a slam trophy, although it's way too early to say we don't know about draws, uh, injuries and all sorts of other things. So um, question marks there and I would hesitate to try to predict that, but certainly he's getting closer and closer. And um, I think of the young talent that we've got now, uh, he's certainly going to be a name that I think we would rely on to be a, a slam winner in the future.
0: Yeah, well said. I I would also not predict a uh, major in 2024, just because that is such a big jump from having just one major semifinal to all of a sudden now being able to go all the way in five sets, especially when we still have Novak and Carlos at their best. So I I think that that is a little bit of a big leap. Um, But I think that my goal or a goal for (laughs) a goal for Yannick in 2024 should be that uh, for him to at least reach a uh, final. And I think that that would be that would be a big thing for uh, for center. And I think Where that do you um, think he could
1: get to a final? Which one?
0: Which final? Wimbledon. I think Wimbledon. Ooh, I think yeah. Grass court suit him well. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: He he went two sets up on Novak in twenty one. He got or in twenty two. Oh, so close. Got to yeah. Got got to the uh, semifinals this year. So I, I kind of think that would you, would you agree Wimbledon as well would be his best shot? What do you think?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I think Wimbledon's kind of the one where grass to me means you need the most experience alcaraz kind of defied that this year um with with a win that i think surprised most people like going to the grass season i don't think most people picked alcaraz um and when you look at the matchup you would also think you know maybe medvedev would be a little better on grass but with the improvements that Sinner has made to his serve and the way that he's serving, if he continues that into a slam tournament and on a fast surface like grass, then I would start to, um, you know, give Sinner the edge over someone like Medvedev, who I think on grass just stands way too far back um, and and makes his life way too difficult. So I think um, I think Wimbledon's a good shout. I think my backup shout would be the U.S. Open. Um, you know, he's he's had a couple good runs there before. And I I don't think I don't think clay is his surface to be honest with you at least not yet so um, to me it would be one of the hard courts uh, but yeah Wimbledon or U S Open would probably be my pick as well.
0: Yeah, that certainly makes sense. I mean, U.S. Open, obviously, he uh, his run to the quarterfinals last year kind of comes to mind with um, yeah. an epic showdown versus Carlos. And um, yeah, I think uh, I think that that's definitely uh, worthy of a shout. I think, but I think at any major, I could at least imagine him doing so in the future. It just needs some more improvements at the best of five yeah. format. But yeah, yeah, I think that. Um, I think that with time he could do it. So, uh, we'll see what all happens, but then, yeah, that's kind of, uh, Vienna this week. Uh, Tsitsipas and Medvedev had another showdown from their, uh, quite interesting, uh, rivalry, uh, <laughs> and, uh, Medvedev won in, uh, in straight sets, but Tsitsipas had a better week. He played a great match against Medvedev. I felt like, and reached a semifinals. Yeah. So I felt like Steph had a, uh, had a bit of a better week. And, um, yeah, also Rublev had a good week as well. Do you want to quickly touch on uh, either Rublev or Tsitsipas and kind of um,
1: – Yeah, yeah, I that? mean Tsitsipas had a much more respectable score and respectable week, um, so so good for him. I mean, I still don't think it's, it's good enough by his standards and where he should be at this point in the season, but he's putting himself in the best position possible to try to qualify for finals. Um, you know, that's what you need to do, and he's on his way, so – Kudos to him for having a better week and sort of picking himself up a little bit. Um, Rublev, he is good on indoor hard courts. I think he has a game that's better on indoor hard courts um, than others. Uh, You know, for example, I don't think there's much of a difference with Zverev between indoor and outdoor hard courts. It's pretty similar with him uh, because of his kind of defensive natured game. Um, But that was an impressive win over Zverev, who's had a good, you know, post u.s opens run as well and made you know kind of a good go at some of these indoor tournaments and um rublev was also you know close to Sinner in the in the final and i think you know we keep talking about it but rublev's on-court demeanor to me is his biggest barrier to success right now i don't think you know rublev necessarily has the versatility that i would want to see from someone that i think kind of consistently challenges for big titles But he's certainly someone that, if he has a big week, can win more titles than he is winning. And, yeah, as you mentioned, he was in a winning position in that first set versus center. And he was very much in the game in the second set, too. And I think he, like, at one point he, like, smashed his knee with his racket. It looked like it was, like, bleeding and immediately bruised. And he just sort of think, oh, God, like that hurts like we all know how much it hurts to smack yourself in the knee or the shin with your racket like that can't be doing you any good and it's like to me at least kind of past the point of funny and is just like crossing over into like i am concerned about your on-court behavior and um he's such a nice guy i wish he would treat himself a little better than he does and uh, yeah i think it's something that's not like funny anymore He, he he needs to do something about it
0: yeah uh, yeah, it's just useless, uh, useless negativity. I think that's kind of obstructing mm-hmm. him in matches. That's really uh really not good i mean i understand why Rublev was frustrated at that point but you don't need to I, I that's it's not healthy first of all to take take it out on yourself in that way uh mm-hmm. also physically if you do that a lot then that can get in the way of matches but mostly mentally it's just not it's just not yeah. good and also uh i think we spoke on a, another podcast but it's just not good for the fan experience they don't want to see you doing no. that it's yeah no. it's, it's it's no good um so, yeah, I mean, yeah, Rublev's uh, been p- performing well, and it's good to see Sysbos performing better as well, I think, as yeah.
1: well. Overall, a great tournament. I had a lot of fun watching Vienna. Um, as we mentioned last week, it was a very strong draw here. Um, a lot of big yeah. names, a really fun 500 format in that way because you get a lot of really good matches um, very quickly packed into a week. They also had, uh, I think, record number of fans attending um, the tournament this week with over 74,000 people coming to watch the tennis again i think testament to how good of a job men's tennis is doing right now um in terms of fan interest and uh yeah post-covid people are really turning up to watch so i think that that's exciting to see as well
0: yeah no it's cool for sure and then uh, yeah that was one 500 we had this week uh and then Basel as well mm-hmm. uh with yeah. fa beating her catch in the yeah. final 7676 her catch coming off his uh shanghai title um, it was two tiebreakers for FA, um, her really was quite fiscally exhausted, especially in that second yeah. set. Um, he had a long match with Humber in the semifinal, the third set tiebreak, which we've, uh, which we've kind of, uh, come to know with, uh, her catch. He's had, he's played over 60 tiebreakers <laughs> this year, which is ridiculous. Uh, he's, but- ne- he's nearing on like a thousand aces for the season, just cause uh, probably mostly probably cause he's just had a chance to hit so many aces and he's played so much tennis. Um, yeah. but I think, I think there have only been like three or four seasons where a guy has hit over a thousand aces, like a couple from Isner, one from Karlovich, I think. So anyway, her catch has been um that her catch has been doing the her catch thing, but he's been winning as well, <laughs> which, is, which is great. Yeah. Uh, um And uh, yeah, but uh, Felix, Felix finally back to play, uh, to playing great. I mean, uh, it's so good to see from Fa fi- finally back in his form. I mean, his serve was amazing this week. He he won ninety three percent of first serve points in that final, but also, also he was just way more consistent from back of the court. He looked way more confident. Not going not. I don't know. He looked happier on the court. Like he was able mm. to do more what he wanted to do. And uh, I don't know, just the errors weren't coming. The, the back end wasn't just c- hitting horrendous errors when I was seeing it. He really looked like confident stepping into the court, hitting with the forehand uh, coming into the net as well. So I, I was, I'm really happy to see Felix at his best because he is a talented player who uh, it feels like he's been around forever, but he's only 23 years old, just turned 23 in mm. August. So that's um, that's something that I think is uh, very very uh impressive from Felix. Um, and happy to see it. I'm happy to see it. Uh, he defended a title, something that Medvedev has still uh, been <laughs> unable to do in his career, still didn't defend in Vienna where he had such a good chance against Yannick, but, uh, yeah. Felix defended Basel. Uh, he seems to pick up around this part of the season. The question is whether he's going to pick up also, um, on the grass courts and then also, um, kind of earlier in the season next year. But I think that that, um, that, that's something that, uh, i'm quite i'm quite happy with felix what do you think about kind of uh Bazell and felix winning that
1: yeah look i mean i think you know huge win for him very happy for him deserves it um he he needed to defend that title without those points he would have fallen outside of the top 20 for the first time in a number of years for him that really would have been capped off a, a very poor season so i think um I don't think that this run or this performance was his best. I think he has maybe this week turned a little bit of a corner. I think he also got a big uh, get out of jail free card against Shevchenko who was serving for the match and just got a little bit tight and nervous there. Um, and he was able to capitalize, and of course, yeah, you got to play every point until the match is done. That's how tennis works. So you you earn everything along the way. But I, you know, you look back at his draw; it wasn't particularly um, challenging. But yeah, it's, it, it wasn't a top ten performance to me. I I still think that Felix can get back inside the top ten. He certainly has the game, the movement, the physicality to be a top ten player. He's underperformed this year. It's been disappointing. Uh, he knows it. He's whether that's injury, whether that's mental, whether that's coaching. You know, he should take this with a lot of positivity and be really willing to do a lot of work in the off season and start 2024 with a clean slate. I think he could really benefit from a you know a sinner type of mentality in terms of like, hey, like I'm willing to to like reconstruct things a little bit. Cause I think sometimes when you're someone like Felix or Senna who has a lot of success early on and young in your career, you might want or be tempted to maintain some bad habits in order to keep winning in the now uh, rather than having a lot of foresight for the future. And I think in a way that's kind of what's caught up to him. I think he needs to be willing to rebuild some things Um, as you say, he served a lot better, but we haven't seen that consistently throughout the season. So, you know, would love to see him kind of analyze, like, why is that the case? Like, see if there's adjustments he needs to be making. Um, you know, I never know with players, like what they really do to work on their mental game, but clearly that's something that he needs to do. And yeah, he just needs to find some of that, you know, consistency and resilience. So this week is, is good signs that he's turning the corner and putting himself in a better situation going into 2024. But I don't, I didn't see enough evidence for me to really be like, Felix is back from this win. I feel happy for him there.
0: I understand that. That's perfectly reasonable. I mean, I think a lot of people think, um, Oh, this guy's winning. That means that he's back. This guy's losing. That means that he's th- yeah. That, that it's like it, people think very kind of uh, minimally about everything. Um but yeah, I would say that Felix definitely has ways to improve technically. Like you said, Yannick is constantly working on the technical side of things. I think Felix definitely needs to do that, especially on the backhand side. Mm-hmm. I think that there's so yeah. much that he can improve. I mean, um, <clears throat> even on the re- on the return of serve, especially when it's not coming to him with a lot of pace, I think he works better when he's actually working with a lot of pace on the return and just in general and in the, on the ground game. So I think that that's something that uh, Felix needs to work on. Um, and uh yeah, in general, there's definitely a lot of ways to improve. And also when he's having an off day to figure it out. Because that's something that marks yeah. a top ten player, that marks a top five player, and when it's getting away from him, it just doesn't uh it just doesn't really work out. So I think that, that yeah. um that those are ways that uh Fields can improve and to not let the not that let the errors just keep coming and coming, but find a way to buckle down and make his game more solid. Cause he reminds me a bit of Runa, to be honest, Runa and Felix mm-hmm. kind of remind me of each other. If I can, I could make a comparison between two, two young players, because they're both two big servers and they have potential in the rest of their game, which often I feel like they have so much to work with. Uh, the actual um, shot choice and, uh, is actually the biggest weakness for them. Like they, they, mm-hmm. and the errors can start piling up because they're not sure exactly what to do at any given point. So I think that that's something that they both, uh, they both could work on. Um, and also, like I said, when they're having an off day to just kind of try, try to figure it out a bit better, but in, in the same way I, d- mm-hmm. I do, I am high on Felix. And I think that hopefully he builds upon this win because if he does, then that's when, Uh, he can, uh, really, we can feel confident about him. He might show up and, like, um, yeah, we might talk about him in a way where it's like, okay, Felix is now consistently playing top 20 level top 15. At this point, it's just a title after a sub bar season.
1: Yeah. 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 I think, you know, we'll, we'll see where he goes in 2024. I think your comparison with Runa is a pretty good one. Um, you know, both have really big serving weapons, good, you know, good from the ground just like sometimes uh, poor shot selection just like w- w- like confused like what are you trying to do um just like that yeah that mental focus and kind of ability to work out you know what do i need to go do from plan a to plan b um so you know speaking of Runa, he had a much better week <clears throat> you know he's really been struggling to put back-to-back wins together um since Wimbledon really uh you know we've talked about the injury he's had now it looks like he's teamed up with Boris Becker um as his coach at least until the end of the season for now and then they'll see how things go I think that's an interesting appointment obviously Becker's worked with Djokovic in the past and I don't think um Becker is a technical coach like I don't think he's someone that's like a Darren Cahill that's gonna sit down and help you try and reinvent yourself or you know make really like technical adjustments to what you're doing and you know when when Becca was coaching Djokovic she kind of admitted that and we didn't really see many technical adjustments in Djokovic's game what we did see was huge mental adjustments going from somebody that kind of had a losing record in Grand Slam finals to being someone that had an absurd winning record in Grand Slam finals so I think um, you know Becca adds a a, a mental coaching element to Runa's team that's a very interesting one and sometimes it's kind of the question of like you know is it someone's technical abilities that win some tennis matches or big tournaments or is it their mentality and their ability to just kind of grind through things and you know it, it depends from player to player as to what the outcome there really is but to me it's I'm not sure if it's a little premature with Runa because I think he still has a lot technically to work on um, like I think some of, some of his shot selection really just is poor. Like his strategy is poor. He's not kind of really willing to hang in matches and kind of grind things out. He just sometimes goes for shots where you're just like, give yourself a chance to win the point. Like going for going for things that just aren't worth going for. Having said that though, perhaps Boris can help him with that side of the approach and making better mental selections and having a better mental playbook to go from and then maybe the technical errors wouldn't be so glaring like maybe we find those errors glaring because he's going for things that he shouldn't be going for and so perhaps that's what Beck is going to be able to help with and kind of you know maintain his focus throughout a match and give him a little bit of a mental edge that he maybe seems to have lost a little since last year, you know, when you're young and you're on tour and you're a rookie, I think you have nothing to lose. Like, I think we'll see maybe a similar thing with Shelton next year of like, okay, now's your like second year and you've got a good ranking and you've won a few things. And now people expect a little bit more of you. Like maybe that's kind of where Runa is right now. And um, we'll see if that partnership lasts, obviously very different to the Maratoglu partnership that he had had this year. And um In a way, that partnership didn't really yield that much positive because we haven't seen so many good results from Runa this year. So, I'm intrigued, to say the least. Um, I don't know, you know, what what will come of it. But what are your thoughts? What do you think?
0: Yeah, well, I think the uh, I think it is a good shout to say that it's this kind of second season coming out. I think like Casper, for example, is having his kind of uh, season like that. Um. At the moment. And um yeah, I, th- I think what you say about Becker is true. I mean, when Ivan uh, Ivanisevic came into Djokovic's camp, uh automatically Ivanisevic seemed like he was working on very specific things of Djokovic's yeah. game. Even if it wasn't huge adjustments, just like small adjustments, just perfecting everything. And also, obviously, the serve got a lot yeah, better. Yeah, serve and some the
1: volley United too. Like we've never yeah. seen him play like that before. Um, yeah, Ivanisevic has changed so much of that, I feel like.
0: Yeah, especially to counter, I guess Medvedev's game as well. Who can struggle yeah. against serving, volleying, and taking time away from his kind of returning his game? Um, yeah, I think uh, I, I think that's going to be interesting how Runa uh, turns up from here. And I think the ask uh, the question of mentality versus technicality is an interesting one, um, and what it takes to win matches. Obviously, it's a big mix of both. But I think in tennis at the highest level, I think people do underestimate mentality. I think uh, yeah. I think every uh, I, I, Djokovic had a great quote everybody can hit forehands. Everybody can hit backhands. It's the mental, uh, it's the mental side that actually matters the most. Um, And, and it's true. It's like people underestimate uh, what, what it takes and it's hard to really explain if you don't play tennis, because it's like, well, I mean, everybody's made it to this point. Everybody cares. Everybody's putting in maximum effort. I mean, what does mentality have to do with it? But that's kind of, in my opinion, underestimating how, uh, how many small, how, how small the margins in tennis are. And um, I mean, you see it all the time with a ball, either hitting the net or going just over or a ball hitting the mm-hmm. line or just missing. And it's that kind of thing where, uh, where the mentality and pushing yourself just that, extra little bit really comes into play and also it's a game of momentum it's a game of rhythm you have to have good serving rhythm you have to yeah, so tennis tennis is a mental game just just as much as it is anything else and i think that um the mental side at the top of the game is most important obviously when you're playing juniors yeah if you can hit a forehand perfectly then uh shout out you'll probably yeah. win the tournament but if you're at the highest level uh, the mental side is actually the most important and it might seem trivial But, um, I think there's a lot of things in life where the mental side is actually more important than we give it credit for. And tennis just accentuates that, which I think actually brings a lot of people to the sport and puts Mm -hmm. eyes on the sport. But I think that Runa, Runa can improve on the mental side. Hopefully that's what Becker does. Becker obviously worked with, uh, what we were saying, he worked with Novak. And, um, I feel like, uh, some people have compared Runa and Djokovic. I mean, the comparisons kind of come naturally. (laughs) Um, but I, uh. But I think that uh, Becker will be an interesting – I'm interested to see how it all turns out at the end of the day. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I remember saying earlier in the season, though, when a lot of people were – when Sinner lost in the second round of the French Open to Altmaier and uh, Runa lost in the quarterfinals – uh, people are saying oh well Runa is better than Sinner I was like well just give it time because no. Runa, <laughs> Runa has 60% win percentage Sinner has 70% win percentage yeah Runa might have a good run but Sinner is consistent and working and his mentality is obvious and his talent and, and I'm very high on Runa as well but he really needs to button it down so we'll see how he does that and also how he can improve yeah. on the mental aspect as well
1: yeah look I think I think Runa is um he just he just feels like he's still a little bit younger than Sinner and Alcaraz even if there's not that much in it age-wise it feels like mentally he's he's just a little younger. I think Sinner Sinner and Alcaraz for that age really have exemplary mentality and that's not something that everybody at 21, 22, 23 has. So I think again like I cut some people slack like we expect people to be finished and ready products. Uh, like Alcaraz you know winning the US Open in Wimbledon at such a young age like that's not the norm the norm is that players start to kind of you know peak and really hit their stride around 24 25 26 especially given that careers are getting longer and longer so I think um, you know with Runo I hope to see an adjustment in his mentality kind of a willingness you know similar to how we talked about a Asim in terms of comparison to Sinner, like a willingness to do a little bit more learning, to do a bit more tinkering and kind of adjust things. But I, in general, I agree with you. Like, I think we underestimate mentality at the top of the game. As you say, everybody can hit a good forehand and hit a good backhand. It's like, can you turn up and do this under pressure and, and in big moments? And maybe Becker is the person for that. He certainly has a financial incentive to do well because the man is broke.
0: <laughs> yes. <Yeah, it's>
1: just... <laughs> so post his prison sentence. Yeah, he just
0: got out of so, jail. Yeah. yeah. I, don't know, I don't know about all that. Yeah. So,
1: produced a documentary with Apple TV, and now is coaching really Yeah, he's tr- <laughs> he's trying to save that mansion that uh you know got bought out from or taken from him. So yeah, I'm just joking, right. but you know you know what I mean. <laughs> so. <laughs> But yeah, you know some other things to take out of Basel this week. Um, Taylor Fritz had a first round exit. He did win today in Paris against Baez, but it looked like he was had picked up some sort of injury. You could hear him talking about, yeah, it was giving me trouble last week. So I'm not entirely sure kind of what's going on with him, but maybe that gives us a clue as to kind of what's been going on with some of these tight, you know, losses in in these tournaments over the last couple of weeks. And it also just in general looked like nobody was really up for making huge strides in Basel this week in terms of securing qualification, which is kind of what we talked about is all going to come down to Paris. But yeah, Fritz, Rude, Demenor, all those names, um, you know, just just needed a couple wins to try to get qualification under their belt. And none of them took advantage of that opportunity. So a little bit disappointing there. But, you know, um, Kudos again to to Felix for coming through. We certainly wouldn't have picked him as uh, as a winner last week. I wouldn't have. So, um he he did a really good job uh, to come through and yeah some of the others didn't take advantage of that opportunity and he capitalized on it. So
0: yeah, that's kind of
1: Basel for you. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh yeah, I mean uh, now in the race left there are fourteen players. Or, I mean five have qualified, so nine yeah. players still left, um who are fighting for it. Uh Fritz Rude. Uh, her catch. Um, they're, uh, they're kind of the big names fighting for the spot that Runa has. Verovin's hit spots haven't technically qualified yet, but they're, they're basically yeah. in it. It's basically fighting for that eighth spot. And, um, and uh, Paul Demonor Kachanov can make it, but Runa has to lose his next match against uh team or Wawrinko nearly knocked him out in Paris last year. But uh, and then he has to win. He, Paul, and Demon have to win the whole tournament. So it's really, it really seems like it's more so a race between Fritz, Rude, Hercatch and Runa for that Ape spot. Yeah, I think
1: so. Yeah, I think that's more realistic.
0: Yeah, because Paul and Demon were have to. Win, everybody else has to win the title, and that's just probably not going to happen.
1: No. So <laughs> <laughs> crazier things have happened, but no, I, I, I would not put money on that.
0: Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see how, how that pans out. I think uh, Hercatch. Uh, it depends on kind of the fiscal aspect if he's fiscally ready for, uh, Paris, but I think that he's, uh, he's looking good. He's looking in form and I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of steals it at the end of the season. Um, so yeah, yeah, that should be interesting to, uh, to see. And then also we had the elite trophy in, uh, the WTA, which for anybody who doesn't know, um, is the uh, number nine through 20 in the world battling it out. Like we were saying last week, it's kind of weird that uh, i think a lot of people didn't even know what was going on even though it's one of the bigger yeah. tournaments i mean hadan maya won the title and uh she climbed up from 19 uh number 19 in the world to number 11 in the world one uh one below her career high of number 10. and uh, a yeah. lot of people didn't even know about the tournament but that is a massive <laughs> jump for Beatrice Hadad maya and uh, it was an amazing final uh, i got to catch most of the final between uh between zhang and Haddad uh, maya and um, it was straight set, 7 6 7 6. But I think the first set went like 13 11 in the tiebreaker. And the second yeah. set was topsy turvy, too. Uh, very good from both sides. Um, had and Maya was amazing. She was hitting forehand winners all over the place. Had and Maya, the very, both players, very aggressive game style. But that made it so much fun to watch. Zhang has more winners than her opponents almost every match. In this match, he had 30 winners. I saw Had and Maya had 42 so uh yeah yeah there you go 12 more so hot and maya was playing unbelievable and uh zhang showed up too and she's at a number 14 career high ranking which was is good too she would have cracked the top 10 had she won the final but um yeah very very impressive stuff from hot and maya and she probably could have served better zhang got a lot of chances in her service games but uh the rest of her aggressive game was working out amazingly, and like I said, pulled out a very close first set tiebreaker, and the m- mental side of and Maya is amazing, um, and I saw that earlier in the year when she got to the quarterfinals of the French with some incredible comebacks, mm-hmm. just match after match, and throughout the season, so uh, I feel like and Maya winning this is kind of deserved for a player who probably has underperformed throughout the season, so I was happy to see it.
1: Yeah, she's an ultra resilient player and a really awesome person. Uh, For those of you who don't know, she hasn't really played over the last month. She, I think it just happened in Cancun. She had an accident where the shower door broke and some shards of glass got into her hands. So she wasn't able to play. So this was the first tournament she's played since then. And yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe she's gotten a little bit of rest in the legs. I, I think sometimes with tennis, you know, a week off 10 days two weeks even three weeks off at this point in the season can really be a difference maker in terms of gas in the tank to go on and you know do well in tournaments depends on the type of player you are but I think Bia is such a hard worker I'm sure she didn't you know just because she wasn't able really to do much with a racket I'm sure she was still physically doing a lot off of the court to stay ready for the tournament and um Zhang has been on a really impressive run post-USA Open. she had a great U.S. Open. Obviously, um, she did great at the Asian Games. She picked up, a, I think, a 250 title or a 500 title um, in China as well. Obviously, she split with her coach, Wim Fissett, so we kind of didn't know what to expect from her over the last couple of weeks. And, um, yeah, she's come out swinging. She's stuck to her game plan. She's playing well. And, um, you know, I, I, I think she, both... Her and Hadid Maya are names that I'm really excited to see close to the top 10 for the women's game. I think they're both, you know, Zhang is very young and Hadid Maya is a little bit older that they're, they're kind of different characters, but I think they bring a lot to the women's game and their storylines are also really um compelling. So really happy to see kind of those names coming out from that um, elite trophy, where you know there's there's big names competing that we're used to kind of seeing the Kretichikovas, the Ostapenko's, the um, you know Kazakinas, kind of being the ones that are winning this type of tournament. So super happy for Bia to to get the title there, and she also got the doubles title as well. So um, she did a good job yeah. uh, finishing off her season. Uh, she thinks she won the doubles with Kudametova um so yeah she's she really deserves it and she played a great final and as you say blistering forehand the number of winners is ridiculous so um awesome
0: yeah yeah all around good stuff I think uh the, the, they both bring such an aggressive game style and I'm not I'm not one of these people who say, oh they look better so they're better they hit fast or whatever but uh, yeah she's it's just great to have these kind of players at the top of the game and I think Zhang especially I mean she's so young and she's Absolutely killing it. Both are great athletes as well. Zhang's athleticism yeah. impresses me time and time again. And like I said, it's a very close match. I know it's straight sets, but this is, this to me was one of the more enjoyable matches I saw this year and was very good stuff from both um, and uh, great shot making all around. So uh, yeah, great, uh, great tournaments A kind of a bit of a appetizer for uh, the WTA finals, I would say uh, that are coming yeah. up, uh, coming up as well. Um, And yeah, we can go to the upcoming WTA finals, Uh, the top eight women's players playing, and uh, uh, Mukva withdrew. So, Sakari is in, which I think a lot of people are like, should she be playing this event? But, I mean, she's in, and uh, that's kind of what it is. Uh, She got dismantled by Sabalenka though in her first round yesterday, 6-0-6-1. Sabalinka had triple match point to uh, actually double Bagel, which is always a bit um what would you say a bit uh demeaning offensive. so <laughs> offensive yeah <laughs> there you go so but uh anyway is the world number one uh I don't know who it would have been if it wasn't for Zachary, but um but yeah it was sad because Mukova was clearly uh we would have had the clear top eight best players in the world this year. Seven yeah. of them had made a major finals. Pagula has won a couple of masters and been incredible. So yeah um I think that uh, that it would have been great, but anyway, Zachary is the player who we got, and um, yeah. Also, we had a Pagula Rabakna match as well. Um, if you want to get into uh, that match as well, Pagula got the win over Rabakna. Pagula uh, she can play a bit aggressive and uh, hit through the court, but it's kind of a uh, Rabakna with a bit of a ag- aggressive game style versus Pagula. But Rabakna really wasn't at her best. What do you think of mm-hmm. uh, that match?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, this is now the second WTA finals that Paguda's playing. I think last year in Fort Worth, Fort Worth she didn't even get a win. So um, this is good start for her. Um, in general, tricky conditions in Cancun. Um, windy. There was a you know, big storm in Mexico last week that brought a lot of rain and bad weather uh, to the region. And in general, it is pretty windy there at the moment especially during that match also tricky conditions in terms of the court um for those of you who haven't kind of been fully paying attention that court did not get fully finalized until Saturday so when the players arrived last Wednesday they had been practicing on the two available hotel courts with one stringer on site Just shows you how organized this tournament is. (laughs) And uh, they only got a 45-minute period to practice on the match court before their match yesterday. So Rabakana was very unhappy with the court conditions. Those sentiments were echoed by other players like Sabalenka and Jabor in terms of them being like, this surface is not good enough. Rabakana blamed, um, you know, a lot of long rallies on the type of court. She said that there were a lot of shanks going on because of, The way that the ball was bouncing is pretty uneven um so you know we never want to hear those types of remarks coming out you know from from top players especially when we're talking about an elite trophy final like this with your top eight players in the world we want to see them playing their best tennis because all of the conditions bode well for that so i think overall that in itself is pretty disappointing um you know sabalenka said she felt unsafe moving on the surface that to me is a really huge concern um but clearly did well enough against zachary to nearly double bagel her so who knows kind of really how true it is or how much people just want to vent their frustrations obviously we're back in a loss we didn't hear the same comments from pagula so you just never really know um exactly what those types of comments mean but I think you know given that Sabalenka won in the way that she did and she was still making those types of remarks um yeah it, it, it's concerning um but you know they they're gonna have to deal with it they're gonna have to adjust I think Shiontech had a couple good quotes of like you know the winner this week is going to be the person who's most versatile most willing to adjust because we know you know they can't change the surface now they're not changing yeah. the venue now they can't do anything about the wind uh, so so somebody's just going to have to be willing to hunker down do the work and, and get it done and you know not not focus on the negative for the next couple of days um you know all the all the complaining can be done after the fact in my opinion so um yeah they they got to hunker down Rebecca did not play her best tennis and um i think what was impressive to me about pagula and in general about her season is she's super clinical once she wins the first set i don't remember the exact number but it's something like 40 and five like that type of oh, wow. ratio yeah. um, like it's really strong Um, so she was down five three in that first set and then won the next four games to come back and win it seven five I think you know from there she's clearly able you know to kind of push on and, and win matches even if she doesn't win that second set she's more than likely to win the match so for, for her I think when you're watching her just keep an eye out on that first set performance I think it, it tends to bode in the right direction for her if she's able to win it.
0: Yeah. Well, and also she's such a uh, mentally solid, consistent player yeah. that, yeah. So she, her, like, I don't know, she'll almost always win a set mm-hmm. if she's playing a match. Cause she's just so consistently good. And I think it, it takes that kind of uh, mental strength. Like you're saying, one thing that you can say about the surface is that's the same for everybody. The conditions yeah. are the same for everybody. So on yeah. Court. Yeah. So it's, it's one court, just mm-hmm. two players on court. So it just, um, Whoever is kind of the strongest and wants it the most uh, and is most adaptable, they're they're going to be the one that kind of pulls through.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. And yeah, that's a good stat, forty and five for Pagula. I think that often it's the player who, uh, kind of the players who can get a lead and still win the match, kind of separates kind of the amazing yep. players from the best, the best. And uh, that's why Pagula has shown that she's the best, the best, and that she can, like you said, hunker down and really still. Got the win. But yeah, the uh WTA finals uh just started, so we'll kind of have more uh thoughts on it coming into uh next week. Uh but yeah, let's I, I I'm I'm kinda have a bad feeling about Zachary I don't know if she's gonna get a match yeah. this week. Yeah. Um, she was quickly far- on
1: that, I think also like the the whole Mukova thing is frustrating because I think for me at least as a fan, it's been hard for me to get super excited about Mukova because she is constantly injured. Uh, it's it's just such a shame that that's kind of the story with her, because she is such a talent and she's so much fun to watch, and she really deserved her accolades this year and she deserved getting to the uh, WTA finals. But just time and time again, like with her, it's it's injury, and I'm just really concerned about her ability to really. You know, maintain this level in 2024 to go on and win a slam or win a lot of Masters tournaments. I mean, it's never a question of her talent, but I just have so many question marks about her ability to stay fit.
0: Do you think that uh, so it's mostly like just like a health concern, you think, more than just like a game concern?
1: Yeah because I mean I think she certainly has the game to, to to play well but when you're consistently someone that deals with injuries I think it also gets into your head a little bit of like you know um, oh this might hurt is it this is it that I think uh, Wanda Sova's kind of had a similar thing going on with her wrist um, and it, it makes it sometimes hard to kind of make decisions on like do I need to pull out can I play like am I good am I not and she's had like this just isn't it's not something that's recent with her either. Like she's had injuries following her since juniors um, where she's just kind of had these consistently every season, you know, not good injuries either. Like ones that, you know, are concerning for the longevity of her career as a whole, Um, you know, and I, I'm, I think she's much better than like an Annette Conteve, but I am concerned that that's that type of trajectory where we could see her as someone that's like, An early retirement, or just never fulfills her potential because she can't get her can't seem to get her body right and healthy for a season. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's fair. Yeah, hopefully that isn't the case. I think uh, whenever I watch her play, she seems like um, she's got the mental together for sure. It's but you have to have every single thing together, and yeah, that's uh, it's unfortunate with a player like that. Um, uh, And yeah, uh, we'll see how the WTA finals kind of pan out. and uh, yeah, uh, it will be interesting to see. Sabalink, obviously, the world number one. There are ways that Shriantech can overtake her and become the world number one, but I think in every single yeah. case, Shriantech at least has to make the final. So, uh, and it also depends, uh, it all depends on Sabalink and how she does, but, uh, it's always exciting when there's a race for number one also happening while kind of the, uh, the final uh, tournament is going on. So, uh, yeah. that kind of adds a little bit of a spice to it. I don't know if we're going to get the same thing on the HP side. It depends on how well Alcraz does in, uh, does in Paris. So, um, but yeah, yeah. and then, and then speaking of Paris, uh, uh Djokovic is back uh first time since the u.s opened he's playing on a limited schedule which i love personally i think it's i I think at this point he's just gotta uh, listen to his body and just work for the biggest events he said i care about the davis cup i'm gonna play for my team i'd love to finish the year on world number one i want to play the majors next year he's focusing on the big tournaments he knows when he's got to take a break um i think it's been nearly two months since the u.s open just under i think so that, that, uh, anyway, Djokovic is back and, um, <clears throat> Runa's in his quarter. That would be a rematch of the, uh, court of the, uh, final last year where Runa got the best of him. Also Fritz is in that same quarter as well. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, our Arthur feast is a name there as well. he could be a bit of a dark horse too. in that quarter just cause Fritz isn't really in good health. There's a few good names there also Sinner, uh, sinner has a good, uh, good quarter as well um Alkraz Zverev could be a quarterfinal so there's some different interesting stuff that's going on I'm quite interested to see how Medvedev does um after losing that heartbreaker final to center um I'd be curious to see how he does he's won Paris before actually since 2005 uh only one person has won this title more than once Djokovic he's won it six Mm. times there's been 12 (laughs) other there's been 12 other champions one-time champions which is pretty, uh, which is pretty crazy. But Medvedev is one of those; he's trying to make it too. Um, but yeah, there you go. So uh, I'm, uh, but yeah, I'm curious to see how Paris uh, kind of pans out. Um, what What are you thinking about it? I, I have my eyes on Kachanov. I'd be interested to see, see mm-hmm. how he does because he's kind of been in a good momentum and he had a great season to start the year, Indian Wells semifinal, and then also uh, got like to uh, two major semifinals in a row and he's he just won a title a few weeks ago as well or a month ago so i'm interested to see how he does who do you have your uh, kind of eye on here
1: yeah i mean uh, a really good draw a really good format for a master's tournament as well i mean we're getting right into the meat of things early on um i think yeah medvedev could have a little bit of a tricky quarter he's got a couple names in there that um you know have been streaky players, but are players that are capable of beating him. You know, uh, Bublik took out Tiafo earlier today. Um, he won a title last week. Um, if he's on with his serve, he's dangerous. But I actually think the name that's in uh, Medvedev's quarter, that's one to look out for is Korda. Um Korda's kind of the only one that's gotten, um, you know, multiple wins against Medvedev kind of in that bracket uh, this year. So <clears throat> I think... He could be a name that uh, could, could cause some upsets. Obviously, Zverev is in Alcaraz's quarter. So that, that could be an interesting one. Um, I think Sinner has a reasonable draw, uh, but he could kind of have another rematch against Rublev in his quarter. So, yeah, I mean, look, I think it's kind of what we've been talking about. Everything in terms of ATP finals qualification is is going to come down to this week. And it's a strong tournament where players have to be on from the first match and um it's hard to call this time of year as you say uh multiple one-time winners of this tournament nobody's really taken advantage of an opportunity to qualify as of yet um who's gonna do well under that pressure hard to know um for those who are wondering this court surface it plays a little bit slower the ball is a little bit of a low bounce on this type of court so i don't don't think it, it uh, is going to be Medvedev's favorite surface, even though he's won there before. Um, So a lot of interesting things to look out for. Uh, to me, I think Djokovic is probably the favorite, but uh, hard to know how easy it is for him to kind of just turn it on after six weeks off. I don't know, but he's done that time and time again, so I don't doubt him anymore. <laughs>
0: Yeah. No, I mean, that's definitely fair. Yeah. I think Alcaraz has a good draw. I mean, I'm looking at his draw. I mean, it's sits boss quarterfinal
1: yeah.
0: uh, rude potentially in the semis, although also Medvedev is there on his half. So that could be an issue. Uh, we have a couple of third rounds between two kind of um, two uh, players who are in the race right now, like Fritz and Runa could play yeah. in the first round. And then also, um, I think Herkatch and Paul can uh I'd have to look into it, but there are a couple here. So uh yeah, all around it's an interesting one. This is the last kind of jump for players to really make yeah. a leap in their uh, in their rankings. Um obviously the race and the rankings kind of become the same thing, but they're trying to get to tour in. Um and yeah, we'll see how it all kind of uh all kind of pans out. And you're saying it's slower? Are you saying it's slower this year, or slower just in general compared to other kind of indoor tournaments?
1: Compared to the other indoor um, tournaments we've had over the last couple of weeks, it's a little bit slower um, than than those surfaces, especially like for indoor. But um, you know, it's it's still hardcore. It's not totally slow. It's just not as fast as the previous tournaments have been.
0: Right. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I was wondering if they uh, slowed it down at all. But yeah, that makes sense. I remember Turin last year played like ridiculously fast on the uh yeah. on their indoors i wonder if they'll kind of stay the same thing i almost hope not because yeah. it was like almost every other set became a tiebreaker especially with how yeah. many be- big servers there are now but yeah anyway it should it should be a good tournament there there's some crazy first rounds well, earlier today, Murray lost a heartbreaker to Demonor again, again, in, again, which I want to rip my heart out. Uh, <laughs> you, you did not want to be a part of the quality shot tennis uh, chat that we have because we were just completely just we were going at it because we were. Whenever Murray loses, the chat goes crazy. Um, so that that's what yeah, it and is.
1: He's in a winning position again. Yes. I don't. What what is his problem against Demonor? Because you know for those. Who don't know? Murray is trying to be seeded at the Australian Open. That's his uh, motivation right now. Yeah. I don't know why. Why is Dimonor such a a pain in the ass for him to play against? He just can't. He can't get it done twice now. He's uh, served for it. Just can't win. I don't know. Poor yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I mean. D- <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, D- is like. It kind of makes sense that Demon Lord would be a nightmare because Murray, he doesn't play a defensive game, but he plays a game that's a bit more grindy, a bit more from the back of the corner. Demon Lord just runs everything down and such a good returner and is served murray's serve isn't at its best at the moment but yeah he just runs everything down and murray doesn't can't really hit through him and uh, nowadays his forehand is really kind of unreliable even when he's not going for a lot so he can't really control the court with it at all and it's just like the errors start piling up and that happened from up five two what's crazy is the exact same situation they had in beijing where he was five two up and also had a match point so it's just uh i don't i don't know if (laughs) <laughs> it's like history repeating it's like the 2010
1: rackets he broke after that
0: <laughs> yeah I've never seen Murray like that but I couldn't blame the guy I wanted to blame the, yeah oh it's just you can't blame a guy for being that upset but geez I don't know I I, I need Murray to fix something up before next <laughs> season because it is it's just so sad I need I want to see the guy a second week out of major I want to see the guy play no. Novak again before he goes out but he's just he's just not really doing it I wonder if there's Top a off yeah that's true that's true and then uh but yeah some other things uh paris today tommy paul one of the contenders in the race right now actually as we film this he's in a third set breaker with Gasquet. so by the end of the podcast we'll have the full full update on that i think
1: fair Uh, mind you got bageled in that first set yeah he lost
0: six so i didn't want to mention it but there you go (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um so yeah that's i mean what in the i don't know what's going on over there um but yeah, those are a few things. First round only just started uh, Dimitrov and Medvedev are going to have a rematch from uh, Vienna as well. Yeah. Um, Dimitrov won in three sets over Musetti. But yeah, some stuff going on. We'll have more on Paris uh, next week's podcast and uh, let's get into the power rankings and for the weekly power rankings. So a few changes in here because uh, we did have the two 500 tournaments and we also had the uh, WTA elite trophy. Um, so a few really big tournaments with some points on the line um at my number one spot I have had Djokovic on moving for forever but Yannick just kind of showed up so impressively this week I just was like you know what this is the guy who's the number one in the power like I'm most excited about Sinner at the moment so I I'm gonna give it to him for number one I would have Love been that. fine either way but Joker like I'm doing that so okay Novak prove to me again why you should be number one in Paris and then <laughs> and then Yannick will drop down but Yannick's beaten Medvedev like Two out of three of uh, two of his last three events, he beat Alcaraz in straight sets. It's the guy whose game looks incredible, like it could test anybody in the world right now. And this is the guy yeah. who's proving that too. He's had the most top five victories on the season now, seven top five victories. He's seven and six versus top five guys in his last thirteen matches. He was zero and thirteen in his first thirteen. So like, yeah, like okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Yannick, uh, a Yannick at the top spot um for that and then um kind of further down uh medvedev keeps a spot um alkraz rublev um or uh, medvedev goes up a spot alkraz and rublev kind of go down medvedev listen he got close against center in that final but i just felt like he should go down her catch got to the final once again in Basel, so he's doing well And uh, yeah, Dimitrov's Zverev, they're still performing well. Dimitrov lost a really close match to Medvedev, but he looks like he's in top 10 level at the moment for me. Like if he keeps it up, I think he's going to be top. He could be top 10 if he keeps up this kind of level and win percentage because he's only losing to top top guys. And then yeah, I did I didn't know who to put for this 10 spot, but I decided to put Gail in mm-hmm. here. I put Gail Monfils because he just went and Love stopped home. And uh yeah, he was injured against Tiafo a little bit and uh Tiafo won the yes. match, but I just wanted to give the nod to Monfils because he's been playing well. So that's kind of nice. how I filled it out. Do you want to go over your or your, either my picks or your ATP picks, whatever you kind of want to do?
1: Yeah, I mean yeah. look, uh, we're pretty much we're pretty much on par. I I have quarter over Monfils, uh just because I think on, um, you know, maybe a little bit. Who knows? Maybe a little bit more of a reliable pick. But then again, uh, Gail at home in France is always a tricky, tricky yeah. uh, opponent. Um, I had some movement in that 5 6 seven spot with her catch um, moving up a little bit. I think he's, again, um, you know, doing himself a lot of justice with the performances he's been putting in over the last couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, a uh, huge... Serving year, um, really strong performances this year and is putting himself in a good position to finish um, inside the top 10 in the live ranking. So happy for him there. Um, I think Rublev is having a solid, um, you know, hardcore indoor swing, as we talked about. I think Zverev is still someone that's, um, you know, a big contender uh, for these hardcore tournaments. And then, yeah, I mean, look, I think Shelton post-Tokyo, that's a tough ask to get from Tokyo to Vienna within... 72 hours in play I actually think he really played a good match against Sinner um given probably how much you know he how, how tired he was Sinner pretty much had a week yeah. to prep and and Shelton had no time I really think he showed up in that match and put on a great performance and you could even tell in that second set he kind of knew he was that was going to be a tough ask for him to come back and win but he didn't go away he still put in 100 percent effort and still you know really did a good job. So I wanted to keep him inside my top 10 as well. I just thought some of the other performances were stronger. He also lost today as well. Um, little culture anecdote. He's also complaining about the balls changing, saying that he has some arm pain now since it's the third week in a row. He's playing with different balls. So hard to know. Um, obviously, he's had a couple deep runs. So I'm a little bit tired. But yeah, that's the movement I've had on the ATP side.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I felt like S- Shelton. I mean, he did lose early, but he lost to Yannick, who had an incredible week, yeah. and he did. He was yeah. playing very high level anyway, so I was like, I felt yeah. like he should still stay pretty high up there. Um, I almost wanted to move Grigor up, but just because I think he's playing amazing at the moment. He yeah. also lost a uh, lost a close one to Medvedev, who also reached the final last week. Medvedev yeah. and center, just on another level from the other guys at the moment. I feel like outside of Djokovic and Alcaraz, I feel like Djokovic and Alcaraz have themselves into one tier. Medvedev and Sinner have separated themselves into another tier. And at one point, you could, I felt like you could have said Medvedev is above Sinner quite clearly. But I feel mm-hmm. like at this point, you kind of have to put them in the same tier, whether you want to put one or above the other or not. I think uh, the answer to that will come next year, not this year. Yeah. It's kind of better uh, right now. So,
1: Yeah, I think- and I think the four of them are cut above the rest in themselves. Like, as you say, it's like tier one, tier two... And I think both of those tiers are like a good level above Yeah. with the people knocking on the door, like Harkach, Zverev, you know, Dimitrov, Rublev, like those ones kind of being a little harder to separate. Um, I would agree with sure. you on that assessment for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would say tier one, Djokovic, uh, Alkaz, tier two, Sinner and also Medvedev. And then I would yep. say, like a few tiers below Zverev, Rublev. And then I would say tier four has like 30 ATP players in it. Yeah. And you can't <laughs> yeah, really separate yeah. one, any from <laughs> the others because I had mean. I was struggling to put a number 10. I was quite happy when I, I was like, oh, shout out Gael Monfis, whatever. But uh, <laughs> like, like I was happy to do it because I, I, I'm quite a yeah. fan of Gail, and I'm, I'm high on him. But I, I just, it, it was almost impossible to pick. So um, anyway, it's basically the top five that I was quite happy with because Rublev's consistent. Um, out and then all the, uh, Alcraz of Djokovic Center. Uh, but yeah, I'm quite, quite confident that this is going to change by the end of Paris and especially at the end of Turin. So, um, that'll be exciting how that changes. And then the WTA, uh, my top, uh, the top five has kind of uh, stayed the same for me. I put Zhang up at six. Below Sakari, yeah. I put uh, we kind of had Zhang and Sakari uh, kind of at six and seven. I put her above, honestly, just because of Sakari's performance versus Sabalenka yesterday, which was just so tough to watch, yeah, honestly same. for me. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what it was for me. And then Hot and Maya comes in at eighth quite happy with that. I mean, hot and Maya hasn't been performing incredibly up to this week, but she's still been pretty, pretty great, pretty, uh, pretty up there. And this week she was just amazing. So I wanted to, I need to give hot and Maya the spot, especially winning a big tournament, uh, which pretty much guarantees you somewhere into the, into my power rankings. And then, uh, yeah, I feel like we had similar, uh, similar spots, but then if you want to close out, kind of talk about kind of your spots as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, like not many of the big players played this week. So kind of hard to know. I think, um, I can see why you put Zhang ahead of Zachary. Um, I could easily agree with that. Jabor is still in mine over Kurama just because I think Jabor's earned it over the season. Um, And then I put Krejcikova back in my mix because I think she had a good run at the WTA finals, the elite trophy um, that was played this past week. So I think she's kind of capped off her post-US Open season with a reasonable go at it, you know, as, has picked up a title and has had her name in contention and a couple others. So um, she finished off the year pretty strong. And, um, yeah, we'll see how things will play out at the WTA Finals. Um, obviously, as you said, the number one spot is up for grabs for Sviantek. And um, I think uh, I have very difficult time predicting because these groups are pretty tough. But uh, yeah. I think it'll be an interesting week. And um, I don't know who to call for a winner, to be honest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think i it's not our job. We're going to just wait and see for the next one. Oh, and then okay. I said, yeah, there you go. I predicted Southland. Oh, no, I predicted Striante, yeah. <laughs> so we can kind of go with that. All right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, we'll see what happens. WTA finals. We'll see what happens in Paris. And uh, that'll be on next week's podcast. Thank you guys for watching this one. I've been Anthony Hirsch.
1: And I'm Eliza Westgate.
0: See you guys at the next one. Uh, Don't forget to like the video as well. Don't forget to subscribe. See you guys at the next podcast.
1: Bye, guys.